Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Soy el fuego que ardo tu piel. Soy el agua que mara tu sed, el castillo le torre yo soy, la espada que guarde el caldal. Uh, what's that? That's, was that, uh, uh, that was, uh, Julio Iglesias <laughs> in the 1971, uh, Spanish hit, La Castille de Fuego el Fagaro del Sol del Corazón. Close. That was the theme song from Narcos. You're familiar with Narcos, the the hit Netflix show? Oh, I, I am. It's a good, uh, it's an entertaining program, to say the least. Well, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, we're fans of television and other media. Mm. And I, I overheard here uh, uh, today, this morning, on the way to the Palatial uh, Eon Project Studios, an interview that was done with Javier Pena, the real-life DEA investigator who the show is based on. That's right. Him and another guy by the name of... Uh, Steve, Steve uh, something. Yeah, Steve, whatever. Steve, forget but his name. Pena was the man who was uh, behind most of it. Anyway, very interesting interview. He's he's actually Steve Murphy. Steve Murphy, yes. So Murphy and Pena are are, are now a traveling team, which mm. you didn't know this. They're both retired from the DEA. Okay. And what they do is they travel around the country and they put on these um, th- these uh, evenings where they present oh. the real story of the. The capture, investigation and capture of Pablo Escobar, which I find to be exceedingly interesting. I've actually read a lot about Pablo Escobar before that, mm. and the uh, the narco show just brings it on home. Of course, Mr. Pena was qu- uh, quick to say that many of the things that are in Narcos are not accurate. Well, of course, you know, as with any uh, Hollywood production, you know, they, they take liberties with the story. But the reason that I mention that is because, do you not agree that history... Doesn't need any embellishment. I don't think so. History is fascinating in and as it, as it is. Mm. I don't understand why Hollywood continuously tries to add things and make it more dramatic when they don't really need to. Well, you know, you know how it is. You know, you're um, you know, you're pretty savvy in in Hollywood. You know, you're you've been well, in, you've been in films. Yes, that's you've true. acted. Very true. Yes. Uh, you know, and you see how it how it works. And yes, how, I, I do. How they just kind of um, yeah, you know, they take liberties with things and uh, well, yes, they certainly do. And and, they don't, and sometimes they don't even want to be accurate. No. You know, uh, add stuff. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Well, and the other thing that I wanted to mention, the show Turn. You ever see the show Turn about the Revolutionary War, Spy Ring? You know, I uh, the Culper Ring. The Culper Ring. So I got into the first season. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it uh, quite immensely, mm-hmm. and then I lost uh, interest for some reason. Well, I can tell you that I am a huge, obviously, uh, hugely invested in the Revolutionary War. It's what my educational background was focused on. My postgraduate work mm. was done based on the Revolutionary War. I can tell you, it's an interesting show. It's very entertaining. Almost 98% wrong. 98% of the things that take place are wrong. Uh-huh. Completely made up out of whole cloth. Although some of the characters are true. The to characters life. are mostly true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mostly. There's some of them that are there's created, but most of them are real. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just make them up for, you know. I don't know. I don't agree with it. I think that history is fine the way that it is. I don't know why they have to add stuff. Well, I mean, it would be difficult to tell that story, um, you know, over the prolonged period that it happened, you know, over a course of yeah, a couple a few of a years. Few years. Right. And, and, you know, keep people entertained. No, that's true. They feel like they have to add stuff. And, of course, the other the other historically inaccurate thing, if you looked at some smoking hot chicks on that yeah, show. they weren't any They didn't then. really look like that. No. <laughs> they didn't clean. No. They, they didn't have white teeth. They didn't have white teeth. No. no. They, they walked around uh, with muddy feet all the time. Yeah, they weren't the really time. attractive. No. And, uh, 
Oh. They probably had they probably had all sorts of skin diseases from all the caked on makeup that they wore. Makeup? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of makeup. I either. think the men wore the makeup, not the ladies. Oh, back both then. of them did. Yeah. Anyway, well, welcome to another edition of the Eon Project. Welcome. What did we talk about last week? Well, we actually um, we didn't do a show last. No, week. No, it was uh, probably a week and a half, two weeks ago. Maybe we had a hiatus. It was uh, secret uh, things, secret groups, secret. Uh, yeah, it was show 33. That's correct. We yeah. talked about secret societies and, and uh, some of them that you've never heard of. And got some pretty good feedback from the show. Actually, want, I wanted to say a quick shout out mm. to our new listeners in the United Kingdom. We found that we had a bunch of listeners That's out right. there. United Kingdom. So, a pip pip cheerio. Mind the gap. Ah, yes. Uh, from South Benfleet in uh, the UK. Cheerio. It is uh, cr- close to the uh, to the water there. Well, we should do an entire show in a Cockney accent. They're, they're probably thinking we're uh, stupid. ignorant and stupid Americans. Probably, right As now. usual. And per, also per the usual. a smattering of new listeners out on the west coast of the United States. More west coast listens. So, uh, hello. It's great. No, everywhere. Uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, so this week we're, we're, we're kind of dovetailing a little bit off of last the last episode, and that's mm. we're going to talk about some secret societies, well, well, one in particular, and then also... We're going to talk about, a, this is a listener suggestion, by the way, which we do take listener suggestions for shows. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some lost gold. Ooh. Uh, we're going to talk about the Knights of the Golden Circle. Oh, that sounds mysterious. Which is a very, very mysterious group. I like gold. I'm going to talk about gold. You're going to talk about gold? I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the origins of gold. Okay. What is gold? Let's talk about that. Laughter. After. You're, you're later. I'm later. I'm coming after. Oh, and, and we're going to have a, a halfway uh, yes. point. We're going to have a contest a, uh, <laughs> a, yes. uh, to show, uh, uh, to see who... Is the most versed in the uh, the realm of obscure superheroes, obscure comic book heroes and their powers. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have a, a, a trivia show about that at the halfway point. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that Mike wins. Probably because <laughs> well, we can talk a little bit about our comic book background later. So I'm going first today, right? Sure. So the first thing that I'm gonna talk about today, I have a question for you, actually. Oh, I like questions. What if I was to tell you that one of the deadliest wealthiest and most secret and subversive spy and underground organizations in the history of the world operated here in the United States from the middle of the 19th century and may even continue to exist today. Mm. And most people have never heard of them. Okay. What would you think about that? I would think that'd be interesting. Is it the uh, the court jesters of Amstapool? No, but that would be a cool name for a band. <laughs> Tonight at the Dewdrop Inn, the court jesters of B- what Distapool. <laughs> What kind of music do you think that they would play? Uh, yeah, New Age. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, starting in the mid-1800s, right? You, the mid-1800s in the United States was pretty... A it was pretty a volatile time. Volatile time. So-called Southern, Southern rights groups began to form around the country in response to perceived encroachment of the federal government upon individual states' rights. Mm. If that sounds familiar, that's because that's generally considered to be uh, the sentiment that led to the American Civil War was mm. encroachment upon... Uh, states, individual states' rights. Of mm. course, with slavery being a, a uh, perceived as a a obvious state right, according to the South. Yeah, that was a that was the, that was a um, you know a powder keg sure um, you know point or a powder keg topic of that particular time period. It right. wasn't necessarily they they didn't they tried to avoid they tried to avoid using that as a as a precipice for the war. Right. Pretext for the war, I Pretext, should say. Yes. And uh, but you know, obviously, as we all know, that's what it ended up becoming. Well, mo- and, and I don't know, most people think that the the Civil War was fought over slavery, and that's actually not accurate. Mm. The Civil War was fought over individual states' rights, with slavery being right considered a, to those people to be an important state. There, right? there are a lot of you know, obviously, myths and you know, un, not necessarily untruths, but half truths and things that have gotten confused and lost over time, as far as the Civil War is concerned. Right. Uh, and things of that sort. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about that. All right. So these Southern rights groups started forming, 
And obviously they had to be a little bit covert in their actions because they were uh, espousing a sentiment that was not popular with a lot of the country. And that would be the northern part of the country mostly. Mm. So these groups operated with the intention to subvert the federal government, especially in the area of slavery, where many like like-minded Southerners became uh, financially involved in the slave trade. So a lot of wealthy, influential people in the South were kind of invested in slavery right. because they were, that was running their business, that was creating their wealth. So most people also don't know that it was actually, I think it was 1808, the importation of slaves became illegal in the United States. Mm. So after 1808, there were no legally imported slaves. All the slaves that were brought to the United States after 1808 were illegally brought in. These illegal operations were financed by the uh, by these people who were into the states' rights and financing these secret groups in the South. So the slaves are still being brought in illegally. Right. One of these groups in particular, in addition to keeping the slave trade operating, wished to open up new slave states further west into the continent. Uh, they also believed that the U.S. Constitution was tyrannical. Mm. That, that word shows up again later. And it actually advocated for the abolishment of the United States Constitution. Now, how do we know all of this about the beliefs of this supposedly secret group? How do we know? Well, you can't. it's hard to keep secrets. It well, really is. Especially when someone claiming to be a member of the group wrote a book about it in 1861 oh. and said, like, the secrets of the group that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Anonymously, of course. That's how they wrote the book. Anyways, after years of operating without really an organization, you know, per se, this one guy uh, by the name of George Bickley, which sounds like, he sounds like a sickly young man. George Bickley? Who wore Paisley. Wasn't he on... Uh, the 50s uh, TV program, Dennis the Menace? He could have been. Hmm. Anyway, George Bickley decided to organize per, uh, organize his group with some uh, some structure for a change. He decided to call the group the Knights of the Golden Circle, which Ooh. sounds like something that would have existed in Arthurian days. That's right. Yeah, sure. Borrowing heavily from Freemasonry, of course, everybody borrows from Freemasonry, and other established secret societies, Bickley set up what he called castles. Instead of lodges, he called them castles. Ah. In several cities around the south, and then actually later on in other cities in the north. Were too. they were the castles secret, or were they uh, were they known to people? Well, they were, you know, kind of yes and no, both. Both. Mm. You know how like today, most major cities, not even major cities, most cities and towns, if you go into them, will have a Masonic hall. Right. And they usually are called the Masonic Hall of wherever it is. Right. And it'll have the symbol on it and stuff like that. It wasn't quite as overt as that. They were, they were obviously more covert because they they were they had a subversive mm. goal rather than the Freemasons, which we don't know what their goal is other than hanging out and having some whiskey. So anyway, so they borrowed heavily from Freemasonry to set up these uh, these castles. And so, uh, again, to copy them, they had laws, rituals, secret handshakes, the whole shebang. Oh. All sorts of stuff going on. I like on. secret handshakes. Yeah? I have a secret handshake. What 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 is it? Well, I, I can't, you can't tell everyone. No, I can't tell you. I can't show you either because it wouldn't. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's too secret. Well... Do you know what the purpose of a secret handshake is? Do you know? To tickle the palm? No. Oh. It's actually so that you can recognize a fellow brother. Of course. Even, uh, you know, if you don't recognize them, if if, if, if you don't know them, sure. I should say. You can... So what do you do? You just walk up to a random person and start putting the moves on them with the handshake? and uh, Well, this is to... actually a very, believe it or not, there's actually a very subtle movement oh. that people can do when they shake your hand uh-huh. that will indicate that they're a member of a certain group. You know what I like and to, you won't even notice unless you're a member of that group. You know what I like to do to confuse people when I go to shake their hand for the first weird, time? You do weird things? No, no. Instead of, you know, doing the normal, traditional keep your hand and your fingers closed and tight together, mm-hmm. I open my hand really wide like this, and I keep <laughs> spread all my fingers apart. That, we, that would throw me off. I think you're going to slap like, me It's nice to meet you. And do I, you do it like that? And they get confused. You know, uh, George Carlin had a very famous funny bit 
Remember George Carlin, the very, very yeah, hilarious was, uh, comedian? Uh, uh, yeah, he was a comedian. He was um, a controversial activist. comedian. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he had a very funny bit about, about a handshake. and He said, uh, he goes, you know, I went to go shake someone's hand and they had a deformed hand. He goes, so what do I do? You know, he, he goes, do I look at the hand and go, ah! He goes, no, I got to shake it. Hey, great hand. Look at this hand. It's great. What do you do if you go to shake a hand and it's a nub? I've had that happen before. Well, they don't don't the person with the nub offer the other no, appendage. No, nope, they give you the nub. They, well, case in point, very famous politician Bob Dole. That's right. Had a withered hand from uh, some sort of injury. I think it was the, the war. The war, yeah. And so he used to keep a pen in it. Kept a pen in it so that no one would ever shake the hand. That's right. And he would offer his left hand. Do you think that pen? Do you think he replaced the pen, or do you think the pen? No, it's lodged in there. It's permanently affixed to it's the hand. Got sort of you know gunk on it from years of abuse. Mm. What if he took it off when he was being intimate with his wife? Maybe he used it. Maybe he. Maybe maybe it was just a. Uh, it's an implement. <laughs> it was it was a, a device that would, you would slide something over the pen. Oh. And it would lock itself in, and then he could use the device on some, uh, in other ways, like some sort of sexual cyborg. That's right. Interesting. He could change whatever apparatus yes, he wanted to use yes, that day. Yes. I'm I'm down with that. Okay. Let's get back to the Knights of the Golden Circle. Yes. So you set up all these castles with your weird shaking ritual hand things. So the group had a bunch of goals, mostly related to keeping slavery a thing. That was their main goal. Not a good, not a good thing they'd want to keep. No, not today. Uh, they, but their main goal, besides slavery, keeping slavery going, was to resist the federal government overreach that they thought was happening everywhere. Right. So they established these castles, and they made people pay. The, the, here's the here's the key point of this whole phase of this of the topic for today. Mm. They made people who wanted to join pay an initiation fee. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it was. Like that, that that part is not recorded. However. It is rumored that the fee had to be paid in gold. That okay. was the only way you could pay to get in. You couldn't pay with monies you couldn't, or you couldn't, sexual favors. Nope. You couldn't pay with uh, Boston cream donuts. Nope, nope. Nothing of the sort. Had to be gold. All right. So by the early 1860s, the group supposedly had thousands of members around the country. Again, it's hard to tell secret societies how many there are, but they like to brag that they had tens of thousands of right. members all over the place, not just in the South. And I'm going to refer to them now as the KGC because it's easier to sing. Like oh, yeah. So they, they were not only content with nonviolent ways of resisting the federal government. There was a group of them. And, and, and I didn't get into this much for, as far as preparing notes for today. But there was this really, really long delineation about how the group was set up. And mm. it's a lot of administrative crap that we don't care about. But basically, it was formed into two different groups. It was a regular KGC group that just did normal, had their meetings and um did fun drives and all sorts of crap, you know, that normal stuff. And then there was another arm of the KGC, which was their military arm. Mm. And those are the ones who conducted uh, non, uh, actually violent raids mm. and violent things. Like, almost like guerrilla warfare. That's correct. We're going to yeah. get into that in just a moment. In 1861, well, actually 18, late 1860, early 1861, they actually had a plan in place to kidnap then-elect President Abraham Lincoln when he was in Baltimore. That's right. But the plan fell through. I don't know how the plan fell through. Maybe somebody got drunk and spilled it. It just did. Plans fall through. But here's some some strange activities that were rumored to be involving the KGC around this very same time period, beginning of the Civil War. In 1859, you know John Brown? You ever hear of John Brown? Oh, John. Yeah, the famous John Brown. The famous abolitionist who attacked the federal armory at Harper's Ferry, Maryland, was trying to instigate a slave revolt in the southern states. You're very familiar with this, right? Of course. Now, if I just said this and you're a fan of history, I just bumped the microphone. Yep. If you're, a fan, if you're a fan of history, would John Brown's actions be consistent with the KGC? He's trying to start a slave revolt in the South. Right. So that the, that seems antithetical to the KGC operation, right? Correct. However, he's been 
this man, John Brown, and uh, I'm not going to get into the the famous raid. He actually led a raid on the Federal Armory where supposedly there was like 100,000 uh, rifles and, and muskets there. Just a quick side note no, to that. No, 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 oh, you, oh. I know where you're going and don't go there. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, John Brown was tied to a few secret societies, including the Skull and Bone Society of Yale University, mm-hmm. as well as the KGC, with some people saying that the raid was actually designed to instigate a civil war that the KGC was convinced the South would win. So they really wanted to start a war. They didn't care how it started. Exactly. Because they thought that they were going to win. They figured, hey, let's have this guy go there, uh, kill some folks, steal some arms. Anyway. Right. Bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. This is where you come in. Oh. The group of federal troops detailed to take the armory from Brown were? Marines. U.S. Marines. And who were they led by? Robert E. Lee. Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Robert E. Lee, who was then a lieutenant colonel in the, um, obviously in the federal army. That's right. Uh, soon to be commanding general of the, of the Army of Northern Virginia when mm-hmm. war broke out. That's right. But yeah, most people don't know that U.S. Marines uh, uh, were led by Robert E. Lee to retake Harper's Ferry. Well, who else would be good at assaulting a building and retaking it? Well, actually, he wasn't there. Well, the Marines were there, but that's what I mean. He was in charge of like the whole operation, but I don't think Robert E. Lee showed up until. You know how they, you know how commanders do, man. Oh yeah, they show up after. Show up after they take all the credit. Oh yeah, they get all the. They awards. get the medals. Yep. You know what's the best feeling in the world? And I know we have some military folks, uh, both here in the United States and around the world, listening to the show. One of the best feelings in the world is is being in a formation and seeing your officer receive a medal for something that they didn't do or that you had a hand in and you didn't get anything sure. for. <laughs> and it happens a lot. <laughs> That's great stuff, man. You feel great. Anyway, what? here's another group. Here's another thing. Excuse me. One of the recruits initiated into the Knights of the Golden Circle was general in Freemason P.T. Beauregard. Are you familiar with who oh, that is? Oh, yeah. A West Point graduate of 1838. What did Beauregard do? Do you remember? Yeah, What's your history? He was the guy that invented Pop Skull for the troops to uh, drink on the battlefield. He may have, but I don't know about that. P.T. Beauregard is credited with actually starting the Civil War with a surprise attack on Fort Sumter in 1861. He right. was the leader of the Confederate forces that fired on Fort Sumter. Mm-hmm. And also supposedly a KGC member. So that's two, two folks tied to the KGC that potentially may have tried to start the Civil War. Right. So the Civil War starts. And it's happening everywhere. Throughout the war, the KGC carried out clandestine operations in both the North and the South. There are hundreds of stories about Southern guerrilla groups operating against federal troops, supplies, and infrastructure, and whatnots. And actually, there's been plenty of books about it. If you ever, if you ever want to read books, uh, uh, oh gosh, the name of it is escaping me. There's a very good book that I read about guerrilla operations in the South. I'll have to get back to you on that one. But how many of these were actually KGC operations? We won't know because they were guerrilla operations. Mm-hmm. As with any secret organization, there's little documentation as to what they're actually, you know, responsible for. However, there is a disturbing connection to something that you have heard of. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that? I don't know if I'm ready. I'm on the edge of my seat. Perhaps the best documentation as to the power and influence of the KGC during the Civil War is the private journal and diary of one John H. Surratt. It's, the book is actually called The, yes. Cons- the Conspirator. Mm-hmm. In, in, and it was written in 1866. In this journal... Surratt goes into great detail describing how he was introduced to the KGC in the summer of 1860 by another member of the Knights of the Golden Circle, a man by the name of John Wilkes Booth. Ooh. And he was inducted into the mysterious organization July 2nd, 1860. Six Semper Tyrannis. At a castle in Baltimore, Maryland. Surratt describes the elaborate and secret induction ceremony and its rituals and tells of cabinet members, congressmen, judges, actors, and other politicians 
who were in attendance and were members of the KGC. Well, it's just <clears throat> it's a theme that that runs through politi- American politics going back as long sure. as there's been American politics, and that is, in, in the public eye, they you know uh, you know you perceive them in one way, and they you know they put themselves out there in a certain particular way to. Um, garner votes and things of that sort, but behind the scenes they're doing they other things. Secret desires, secret and desires, and, and secret wants and things of that sort, and they're they're well, funding and taking part in these things. It's funny that you mention that, and this is not part of this story, but um, most people don't realize, or maybe they do. A lot of the officers in the Revolutionary War on both sides, the British and the American sides, were Freemasons, and sometimes would meet in secret. <clears throat> Which would be considered like imagine that today, mm. like the uh, the American army and the Iraqi army generals would meet at a at a bar and hang out. Right, that wouldn't happen. But back then, that happened all the time. Sure, because they're all members of the secret society. Anyway, perhaps the most significant revelation of Surratt's diary is that the Knights of the Golden Circle began plotting to kidnap Abraham Lincoln in 1860, as I said, before he was inaugurated, and actually continued throughout the Civil War, resulting in President Lincoln's assassination by. John Wilkes Booth, April 14th, 1865. Right. So they're saying that, that was a a KGC operation. And if you think about it, you, you think, especially nowadays with the, the amount of security that surrounds the president, you're like, how would they ever get away with mm. um, kidnapping a president? But back then, there was no security. No. There was no real secret service. Nope. The president would walk around randomly well, by himself. You know, a lot of people, don't, you know, you can visit the, have you visited the White House? Have you been there? I've been to the White House. I haven't been into the White House. But you know, you can you can visit the White House. Mm. You just have to make arrangements in advance, and right. you have to go through a screening, you know, like a metal detector and all that junk, and they yeah. have a lot of security. But you don't just get to go in. Back in those days, you could walk into the White House. That's Anyone right. could. You could. Americans, uh, if you wanted to talk to President Lincoln, actually, there's a very famous scene in the movie Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. He did a great job portraying Lincoln, even though he's an Englishman, uh, where people were just waiting in the hallway to talk to Lincoln. Mm. And you just go, you had to get there early in the morning, wait in line, and eventually you get to meet him. Which you can't do that today. Obviously. Anyway. And rightfully so. Sure. So it's widely believed that at the end of the Civil War, the KGC went even deeper underground, but kept operating, trying to keep Southern rights alive, as well as prepare for a second Civil War that they were sure was going to happen. That's right. Some people say that the group died off around 1915 or so when, when all the guys got old and died. However, some people believe they continue to operate to this day with membership being passed down generationally. So what do you think about all this? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. As a matter of fact, I know it's pretty much uh, been proven historically now that this group existed. Oh, they were a real group, and uh, sure. and that they, you know, that they were funding these different things, and and that's part of. I don't know if you're going to talk more about this. No, but, I'm done with my part. Yeah, so that's and, and kind of what I'm going to get into a little bit uh, a little bit later on, and that is they needed financing, right? They sure. needed a way to fund this uh, second civil war, um, to fund their guerrilla operations around the around the country. Yes. So. There's a whole lot of stuff about the KGC that we didn't get into today because, um, well, around that same time, and, and very famously, you can look it up, but there was a uh, there was actually a movement to, as I said before, expand the slave states westward, and that would include uh, the new territories of um, California mm. and New Mexico and Texas, which we won the Mexican War. We're not going to get into all that nonsense, but right. there was there was a movement of of the KGC to push into those areas, and actually there was a. There was a, uh, a there was a plot, in effect, that there was going to be a new uh, the the territory of Mexico was going to be taken over by sub uh, subgroups of the KGC and they were going to create a military dictatorship and everything like that. Right. Yeah. So the Central America, 
Mexico, portions of the southwest of the United States were basically that golden circle of territories, which is where the the term comes from. Interesting. Yes. Anyway, that's the KGC. Interesting. Is it not not to be confused with KFC? No. Which is delightful. How come they don't call it Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore? They actually go, what what do you mean? They went back to that. I thought they just called it KFC. It was Kentucky Fried Chicken for years and years, and they thought it had a a negative connotation when it came to people's health because it was fried food. Oh, because so they changed the name and now they think it's good for them? Well, no. So then they changed it to KFC, and now it's, I think it's back to Kentucky Fried Chicken again. Oh. Well, all I know is they keep changing the kernel on commercials, and it's confusing the crap out of me. I don't even know who the kernel is. I think it's part of their bit. It was, uh... It was Norm Macdonald for a while, and then it was Rob Riggle. George Hamilton, George I think. Hamilton is the current Reba McIntyre. Reba. <laughs> ah, Reba's got a nice voice. You could be the colonel. I could be the colonel. You, you know what? You look all dapper in the white uh, suit. I the... would look all dapper in the white suit here. What kind of tie is that? It's is that a special kind of tie? The, the, yeah, it's, it's, like a, a, it's, a, it's not a bolo tie. It's like, uh, I forget what the term is, the southern thing. Yeah, it's it, almost like a bow, but then it, it's got the strings that strings. hang down. I'd be, I wouldn't wear that. I'd be afraid somebody would strangle me with it. Yeah, you'd be probably I, right. I have a lot of enemies. You need a, like a quick release one of those yes. to, to break away. Yes. Like your breakaway trousers that you wear. Well, you know what? Actually, I have a question that you you may be you may be uh, uh, well suited to answer. Okay. Um, I know a lot of police departments these days wear um, uniforms that have ties on them. Some most don't, but some do. Are those breakaway ties? Why would I be well versed in this? I don't know. You seem to know a lot of things about uniforms. Well, I'll tell you this: when I was in the military, they didn't give you breakaway ties. No, we they had gave to you get regular one. ties. You had to get one, and they showed you how to choke people out with them. But I do believe, I do believe that through the law enforcement uh, community, they're the clip-on tie that just to avoid that, uh, uh, you know, exact yeah, scenario. You know, imagine a police officer has to lean over into someone's car to, to, to talk to them or whatever, and they grab his tie and take off. Yeah, you don't want, you don't want that to happen. Get no. caught up in the uh, in the window as it's rolled up. That'd be bad. I wonder, would that be a deadly force authorized situation? Dragged by a car? Someone's dragging you, you can pull out your weapon and shoot them? Of course. Sure. Of course it is. You know what? If you do that to a cop, you deserve to get shot in the back of the head. As as we've seen in the news uh, recently, uh, weapon, or excuse me, vehicles are deadly force weapons, of course. Yes, they are. Anyway. Anyway, are we at the halfway point of the show? We're close to the halfway point of the show. We're going to get into our uh, our next little bit here. And um, so Mike and I like to uh, test each other's knowledge on things. We like to do various different things. So today is outside the box a little bit. Yes. So maybe we should talk a little bit about our... Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't want to sound... See, here's the thing, though. I don't want to come off as a geek. That's too late. I don't want to come off as somebody who collects comic books, because I don't. We're not not cool people. If we were cool people, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. Speak for yourself, fella. Oh. See these gold sneakers I'm wearing? (laughs) So anyway, uh, for a very uh, short period of my life, and Mike's life, we were into... Uh, collecting comic books. Very I don't know why. Yes. Mike was in it before I was, yes. and he, he dragged me into it. I did. And it was probably be like between the ages of maybe 14 and 15 for some reason. Yeah, it was like the early 90s. We're just kids. We're and, uh, you know, I amassed a small collection of, of comic books, and I've since, I put them away for many years, hoping that they'd be worth money. Well, you know what it, I found out, too? And I have friends that are still into comic books as mm. adults, and they're weird. You know, this, it seems like most, most things like that you do when you're a child... You, at some point in your life, you go, I don't want to get into this anymore. Yeah. Uh, wrestling was one for me. I used to watch wrestling yeah. as a child. Love wrestling. I don't watch it anymore. No. Uh, at some point, you just say, eh. You know what will bring you back, though? The Andre the Giant documentary. I love Andre the Giant. You, I absolutely you gotta watch love this. Andre the it's Giant. It's going to send you back to Have your you childhood. Have you seen it? Is, that, yes. is it out? Yes. Oh, I've got to see it's on that. on HBO. Oh, I've got to see that. You know, interesting side note that you bring up about Andre the Giant. 
I read you, you ever see these things that you just show up on Instagram, sometimes Facebook. Mm. They're just like strange movie facts or interesting facts about you yeah. know, thing behind the scenes. There was one about Princess Bride, the the very famous movie starring, of course, Carrie Elways yes. and Robin Wright Penn. Yep. Uh, and uh, and Mandy Patinkin. Mm-hmm. However, playing a, a small but pivotal role is Andre the Giant, who plays uh, I don't remember his name. You remember his name in the movie? He's the giant guy. Uh, no, I don't. Fezic. Fezic. Fezic is his name. Oh. Anyway, there was a very there was a very interesting uh, thing that happened on the set. Apparently, you know, there was a downtime in between. You don't know anything about movies. You're not a very famous movie star like myself. However, when you shoot movies, there's a lot of downtime, like people just hanging out. Evidently, there was a quiet period, and Andre the Giant let out a 16-second fart, mm. a fart that lasted 16 seconds, and everybody, nobody said a word. Everybody just kind of looked at him, yeah. and it was, all, it was all quiet until the director of the film, Mr. Rob Reiner, looked at him and said, Andre, are you okay? And Andre looked at the director and said, I am now boss. <laughs> and that's actually, he, he's famous for his flatulence, his uh, epic flatulence. That's hilarious. Just another quick note to that movie, and then we'll, and then we'll get on, but... There's a there's a scene in the movie which you probably remember where Robin Wright is tossed from the, or she jumps from the castle and he catches her. Yes. So he was in such pain at the time because of a ba- of his back and he oh. had real bad back injuries and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they had to lower her down on cables. Oh. When when she came down and he and he had to catch her in that way and to keep all the weight off. Was of his he actually going to catch her? Was that the he plan? Was, he was going to catch her, but he was in too much pain and he couldn't do it. and They were afraid he was going to drop her. Well, he he had battled he battled a lot of health issues in his life. Acromegaly, I think, is what it's called, is is the pituitary uh, oh. disorder that he had, where basically it just kept sending hormones out into his body through the course of his life, and everything was just growing and just. But kept... you know what? To a, to a person, I think I've never heard a negative story about him. Everybody said he was such a nice guy. He was. I like hearing the nice stories about people. Gentle giants. You don't want to hear about people who are jerks. All right, so this is how this is going to go. We're each going to read uh, a description of a superhero. Yep. And then we have to guess who the superhero is, right? We have to tell, guess what his name is. Okay, so we're going to read, yeah, we're going to read what their powers are or maybe a little bit about their their origin or, or whatever. And then you have to say what character, what the character name is. Okay. Now, these are not the most... Well known. No, we're not going to say like, oh, son of Krypton, and he came here and wearing a blue suit, uh, nut hugger pants. <laughs> not going to do that. It's, right. it's going to be like people that you may or may not have heard of. All right. So you want to go first? I'll go first. So okay. this this particular hero, uh, he has the ability to detach his limbs and use them to beat evildoers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, I don't know that one. <laughs> Take a guess. Give me a guess. Just think of, make uh, make something up. Plastic man. Close. Um, it's called Arm Fall Off Boy. <laughs> Get out of here. That's a real I swear thing. To God. It says Arm Fall Off Boy's power stems from his ability to, you guessed it, detach his limbs and use them to beat evildoers. Arm Fall Off Boy. Yep. With the, were the creators just done for the week when they made that one? They're like, you it. know what? We got to get out of here. It's Friday afternoon. Let's just come up with this. Okay. All right. I got one. All right. Okay. This is from Marvel. Should I say where they're from? That's fine. I don't know. So this person gains enhanced strength, endurance, and reflexes at night, reaching his pinnacle during a full moon, and sometimes has prophetic visions. Moon Knight. Yes! Oh, oh, you got it? Moon Knight! Oh yes. my god! You know, Moon Knight is not a very well-known character. No, I guess I'm geekier than I thought. Yeah, you knew Moon Knight. Alright, so this one, this is a character that is actually in the X-Men universe, but he's not, not super, uh, super well-known, okay? okay. Yeah. Alright, uh, his genetic mutation is not a power, but rather a change to his physical appearance resulting in his skin turning blue. He has no other discernible powers or abilities. <laughs> However, he is an aspiring rapper. He's just blue? He's blue and he can rap. Oh, God. I don't know. His name is Jazz. 
jazz. Yeah. You so why is, a, why is he a comp? Why is he blue? He's a rapper. He's a blue rapper. You're not going to get any of the other All right. Here's one. This person has the ability to possess any living being. He's also invisible to all in the physical realm. Ooh. That's, uh... Spectrum. That's a dead man. Oh. Is his name. Dead no, man. I, don't, I don't know that guy. All right. Uh, this character has a very distinctive mutant power, which enables him to spew acidic vomit from his mouth. <laughs> Tragically, he discovered his power while making out with a girl. Ooh. He vomited acid all over her and burned her face. Ooh. His vomit is highly acidic, able to burn through 10 centimeter thick steel in less than 30 seconds. That's his power, is vomiting? Yes. He's called the vomit. No, he's called Zeitgeist. <laughs> Zeitgeist. I don't know. I wonder if he married that poor girl. No, oh, she did survive, it says. Oh, yep. Here's one for you that's completely bizarre. Ready? This person can create kinetic fields for some reason. I don't know why. But what's important is that he can only use his powers when he's in physical duress, meaning excruciating pain. To help stimulate his powers, he built a truly terrifying-looking S&M-style suit, complete with internal barbs and spikes mm. that constantly rake his flesh. Ooh. That's, that's the, uh... That's the gimp. Yeah, it looks kind of like that. No, his name is Penance. Oh, Penance. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, I think. I haven't heard of any of these So another member of the X-Statics mutant group has no discernible powers aside from a telepathic connection to a flying, seemingly sentient skateboard. He can control the skateboard with his mind, though the skateboard can also act through his subconscious thoughts. Uh, sadly, after the skateboard falls under a curse, it flies out of control and impales him through the heart, killing him. Oh, so this one's dead. Yeah, he died. That's Skater Boy. Nope. El Guapo. El Guapo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more. All right. Here we go. This person was a corrupt man by the name of Cyrus Gold. Gold. Mm -hmm. Until his untimely death in Slaughter Swamp. Since then, his entire existence has been an unending cycle of death and rebirth. When he dies, he eventually rises again, emerging from the depths of the original resting place in the swamp to wreak havoc on the living. Uh, the Golden Resecutioner. Nope, that's Solomon Grundy, a oh. famous uh, Superman villain. Ah, okay. Last Wasn't one. Wasn't there a song about Solomon Grundy? It was by like, remember that group, uh, Crash Test Dummies? They did the. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. Have you got one more? Yes. Uh, one of the founding members of the Ecstatics Mutant Superhero Group has the ability to secrete acidic sweat. His sweat allows him to project acidic blasts of energy. <laughs> and his name has no relation. I was going to say, uh, Excited Boy. Powers. No, this is Anarchist. Oh, Anarchist. What does it have to do with sweat? I have no Where idea. Where did you get all yours? Yours are made up. No, I wouldn't make this I look up. stupid. I didn't get any right. I bet you there's somebody out there that got them all right. If my friend Jim is listening, my, my friend uh, Jim, who was a huge comic book fan, and actually created his own comic book. He did. Uh... Which I have the issue number one signed by him. Oh, uh, I bet that's worth bet, 50 cents. I bet he would know that. So hello, Jim. You know, that was one of the downfalls, like I said earlier. We collected them hoping that, they, that they'd uh, be worth money. Isn't it? The name of his book was Hellion. Look it up. None of the things I own, none of the book comic books that I own that I gave to my son are worth jack squat. Well, you know, speaking of sons, I, uh, several years ago, foolishly gave my collection to my son, and he, he proceeded to rip up, leave on the floor, and yeah. damage most of my comic books. Yeah. So thank you very much. That's all right, because they weren't with squad either. Nope. All right.
So that's enough of that tomfoolery. Yeah. So now we're going to get back into... So we talked a little bit about the Knights of the Golden Circle. Yes. Secret society, secret wars against the government. Mm-hmm. Assassination plots and kidnapping attempts and things of that sort. Yeah. Someone, someone would have been foolish to try to attack Abraham Lincoln physically. Yeah. Uh, because he was a... M- many people don't know, a, a champion wrestler. He was. He was He was. Uh, he was a tall, slender man. Yep. Uh, wiry. He was wiry. He, he was very strong. Twist he was, you in a pretzel. He was a frontiersman. Uh, uh, born in a log cabin. That's right. He, he could a, twist you into... Like you said, he could twist you into unimaginable yeah. shapes. He had a beard. He had a, actually... He had a deformity called cauliflower ear. He did. Which uh, made his ear look all deformed from a wrestling accident. That's right. Anyway, continue. So, gold. We're going to get into gold. So, we talked about Knights of the Golden Circle, right? So, how are they funding their all these uh, uh, crazy little expeditions and uh, uh, things that they were doing? I don't know. Fundraiser? They had bake sales. They did. They and sold it, chili at the fair. They, they uh, Exactly. Chauncey's Chili Bowl. Chauncey's Chili Bowl. Anyway... Gold. So gold, as we all know, gold has value, right? Gold has has long had value with several societies and situations and civilizations across time. Sure. But what the hell is gold? I don't know. It's some sort of metal. (laughs) It is a metal. And did you know that gold, and I'm going to give, this. I may lose a few people here, but (laughs) I want to give a little bit of, of, why does gold have value? And I want to talk a little bit about what it is. That's a good good question. Um, And so where, and where it comes from. And I can tell you probably one of the theories of where it comes from and why it has so much value. Okay. Okay. So in its purest form, it is a bright, slightly reddish yellow, dense, soft, malleable, and ductile material. Malleable and ductile. It's, uh, it's resistant, resistant to most acids. It's a relatively rare element, as you know, Mike. Yes, I do. It's a precious metal that has been used for coinage, jewelry, and other arts throughout recorded history. Gold member. And here's an interesting his interesting note. There's 186,700 tons of gold that exist above ground. How do they know that? How they figure that out? Yeah, I have right. no idea. Somebody's got to scale. But about 50% is used in jewelry, 40% is in investments, which you have to invest in the gold market. Yep. And 10% in industry. In other words, uh, you know, they use it for electronics. You know, they're always uh, telling me to invest in gold. I watch the, 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 these, these commercials. Oh, you got to have gold in your portfolio. First of all, I don't have a portfolio. Second of all, how the hell would I buy gold? Gold is like five thousand dollars an ounce. You got you got to invest in it. How, what you invest? So where do you go to invest in gold? It's like this Bitcoin nonsense that's <laughs> going around in ele- uh, cryptocurrency. I don't even know what that is. I you, feel stupid. Everybody that's investing in it, wait till the bottom falls out of that. You guys are gonna be. What are uh, they investing in? It's nothing. It's something that's made up. It is. It's a couple guys like you and I sitting in front of a computer. They just type in some you know algorithms. What? We should we should make something. We should make our own currency and see if it gains value. What do you want to call it? The Mike and Jay. It's a it's a <laughs> uh, it's a coin. <laughs> It's made out of dried dung. <laughs> it's an actual coin. You go on, you buy, and we ship Physical it to you. Coin. Yep. And it's just us going out and scooping up dung. We'll in even the backyard. sign it for you. Anyway. All right. So gold is used in infrared shielding, colored glass production, gold leafing, tooth restoration. Oh. Certain gold salts are used in anti-inflammatories in medicine, so you can consume gold. I didn't know that. That's right. So China is the the world's largest uh, producer of gold, with like 450 tons a year, apparently. So an interesting fact is ghost, uh, ghost, ghost, ghost. Maybe we'll talk about ghosts next week. Yeah, we haven't talked about paranormal stuff in a long time. Gold is the most malleable of all metals. You ready for this? Sure. A single gram, which is not much at all, can be beaten into a sheet of one square meter. Wow. Yes. Isn't that amazing? I don't know how much a gram is. So I, want, I don't do drugs. A, a gram is tiny. But anyway, so why is gold valuable? I have no idea. And there's a theory out there that gold comes from the center of the sun. Or the what? center of supernovas, basically. So all the all the gold that's on Earth or contained within the Earth 
comes from the explosion of stars. So it's the rarity of the of the item that makes it right. valuable. So gold is basically the theory is that it was produced in a supernova nucleosynthesis. I see. That's right, which is the collision of of basically uh, neutron stars, and it, it comes out in the dust of the neutron stars when they're when they explode. Hmm. And because the Earth was molten when it was formed, almost all of the gold present in the Earthly probably sank to the planetary core. So most of the gold you can't get to. You can't get to it. So most of the gold that's in the Earth's crust and mantle is thought to have been delivered to Earth later by asteroid impacts about 4 billion years ago. Ah, so as asteroids hit the Earth, the gold gets sent to the surface. That's right. I see. So people are wise, and they're going back uh, thousands of, of years. And uh, from the Balkans, from about 4th millennium BC, they found... Um, artifacts in gold. Those Balkans. And things of that sort. And other gold artifacts, such as golden hats and the Nibra disc, which you're familiar with. Gold hat? That would be heavy. Uh, it, it appear, they appeared in Central Europe from 2,000 years uh, before Christ during the Bronze Age. I see. So Why they call it the Bronze Age if there's all sorts of gold going around? Why they call it the Gold Age? Well, you know, they, 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 they made some things in gold. No, they just make stuff up. You know, as we know, gold is mentioned quite frequently in the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, you know, we know the, the story of the golden calf. Yes. Uh, the golden menorah. So, as we know, even in the, the Bible. Golden manure? Manure. Menorah? See, I told you, we're going to invest in golden dung. 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 That's a fun That's a word, fun to, word say. to say. Dung. Dung. You dung. can make a whole song like that. You could. Dung, dung, da dung. Continue. Anyway, where was I? You're talking about gold. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's right. Cultures throughout the years, throughout history, throughout the decades, throughout the millennium, such as, name a couple, quick. Incas. Incas, Romans, Egyptians, Arabians. Arabians? All right. Native Americans, namely the Aztecs, regarded, Americans. regarded gold as the product of the gods. Are you ready for what they called it? What they call it? They called it God excrement. <laughs> so, God poo. Back to the dung again. God, yeah, what is this with poo? I don't know. It's a, it's a theme that's running deep in the gold show. It's very important to us. However, for most indigenous peoples of North America, gold was considered useless, oh. which is kind of something we talked about before, where you know the Europeans valued gold. and uh, Yeah, but they just used to throw it away. That's right. That's right. They, they, you know, the natives, uh, you know, they valued things like obsidian, flint, yes. slate, things of that sort that they could actually use for well, they pr- used practical obsidian purposes. F- right, for weapons and stuff. That's right. And we all have heard of alchemy, right? Yes. It's the, you know, alchemy is basically the, the pursuit or the, uh, the pseudoscience of trying to turn other base metals into gold, like right. lead. That's correct. Uh, and, and things of that sort. You know what I would like to do? What's that? I would like to be able to turn uh, water into lasagna. That would be my alchemist. Ooh. Do you do you enjoy goal. lasagna? I love lasagna. You lo- you, are you a fan of lasagna? You, <laughs> I mean, I've eaten it. You don't like lasagna? Uh, you know what I don't? You know what I'm not a fan of? What? The ricotta cheese. Why not? Ricotta. Ricotta. I don't like. Yeah, that. you know what? You ever watch a, the shows like Master Chef or whatever? Yeah. We, most human beings call it ricotta cheese. Yeah. No, you go in there. They go ricotta. No, and they be, have to say it like that. They'll too. be talking all normal, like, okay, yes. we're going to make this uh, pasta dish today, and we're going to put ricotta yeah, cheese on it. Just like when you're watching the news and something bad happens in like in, in, in something like Venezuela or yeah. Nicaragua, they go, uh, today in news there was a tornado in Nicaragua. And you're like, why are you talking that oh way? Oh, my God. Just say it. It's like Christian. I'm Christian. I'm pool. Christian. And you're going down to Venezuela. I'm oh, oh. They have to add the syllables. Ah. So anyway. <laughs> so as we know, alchemists were not successful in con- uh, t- ch- changing other metals into gold. However, an interesting tie into the Knights of the Golden Circle. Oh. The symbol for, symbol for gold. A U. Nope. It's it was a-, a circle with a point in the center. Oh, a circumpunct. A circle Point. Circumpunct. Circle pump. Yes. <laughs> so that means God. That's right. That's so the God symbol. How does this tie into what the hell we we're talking about earlier? I don't, I don't know. 
So apparently millions of dollars of gold, when we're talking about, we talk about the going back to the Civil War and we talk about funding for the Knights of the Golden Circle. Well, wait a minute. So the, actually the tie-in is, is that throughout history, gold has been very important to people. Important and valuable. People do just about anything for it. Right. As they do today. As they do when you go to the, buy your wife a golden ring. I, I don't know. And, uh, and, you know, and she uh, shows it all around. I don't do that. No, I don't buy my wife jewelry. No. It's not worth it. It's a bad investment. <laughs> That's good. I hope she's not listening. <laughs> so apparently uh, there was a lot of Confederate gold that had gone missing uh, during and after the war. <clears throat> One of the theories is that the Knights of the Golden Circle had secret, um, you know. Layers. Secret layers, secret uh, codes, cryptic messages, uh, yes. groups that would go around, hide this gold in different parts of the United States in different areas, and they could go back later and, and retrieve the gold and use it to fund their uh, illicit activities. You know what the problem about burying gold is? What? you got to f- remember where you put it. That's I right. I can't remember where I put my car keys. You know what? Has there ever been, and, and here, here's something that drives me nuts. So I, I watch, uh, uh, you know, the Money Pit show. Uh, I don't watch that because Curse it's, of Oak Island. it's all a big tease. Nothing ever happens. And actually, this is a tie-in, too. So one of the investors on Curse of Oak Island, the... Uh, the Lagina, one of the Lagina brothers. I don't like the Lagina brothers. They look like jerks. I bet they would have beat me up in high school. I think it's Marty Lagina. He's he's started a new investment, and he there's a show called Civil War Gold, I think, or Confederate yes, Gold, Confederate on, Gold yes. on the History Channel, and they're searching in Lake Michigan to tr- supposedly find some of this gold. Which okay. let me just let me just tell you now, five six seasons into it, it's going to be exactly where it is today. <laughs> Nothing, is and found. they're not going to have found anything. No. Same thing with uh, you know. Oak, the Oak Island mystery. They've yet to find anything well, of significance. I want, yeah, but you keep watching it. So they I keep, do. They keep showing you the thing because you keep watching it. Well, that's why I refuse to watch the news show because I'm going to get hooked in. any of it at all because nothing ever happens. You're like, oh, today we're going to go down into Shaft B and you're like, I don't, Shaft A didn't have anything. Shaft X doesn't have anything. You just like to say Shaft. I enjoy Shafts. <laughs> so go, anyway, let's continue. That just makes my point though. When in recorded history have you ever found that a treasure was purposely buried well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, and then gone back and found again. I mean, they found artifacts, obviously, well, under dirt and sediment and things. But most historians believe, believe it or not, that it's a buried treasure is a myth. That you know, it used to be common, commonly held belief that pirates used to bury their gold. They never did that, right? And as a matter of fact, pirates very often didn't wouldn't even seize gold because there wasn't much for that they could do with it. They would seize cannon and guns and and commodities and things like that. Um, but they definitely wouldn't have been burying their gold everywhere. That's right. That so make any sense. we talked about some of the, the, the Confederate gold was supposedly hidden throughout the South. Um, one of the examples of this was when Union troops were on the verge of invading New Orleans. Uh, or New Orleans. New Orleans. Confederates basically quickly removed millions of dollars of gold to a safer location, uh, which would have been the city of Columbus, Georgia. And, and that gold was temporarily stored at the Iron Bank. Ooh, the Iron Bank. By William H. Young in October of 1862. And getting back to General uh, Beauregard quick. P.T. Beauregard here. P.T. Beauregard was ordered to take the gold from Young's bank in Columbus, but Young refused to release it. What? I say, what did he do with it instead? Until he was compelled to do so by force, which happens a lot of the time. I declare you to be a miscreant. And Beauregard, in his biography, said, what became of the coin is a mystery. I wonder if he talked like this with his raven voice. Yeah, P.T. Beauregard. General Beauregard here. Get you some Cajun biscuits. Supposedly George Trenholm, <laughs> who was the treasurer of the Confederate States of America for the last year of the American Civil War, he was arrested after the war. What a jerk. He was accused of making off and absconding with millions of Confederate I assets. the word absconding. That's right. And here's a quick side note. 1994 hit movie. Oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh. Time Cop. Time Cop. I love Time Cop. I had a crush on the girl... Uh, what was her name? That was uh, uh, 
Oh, God, what was her name? In Time Cop? Yeah, his wife. Oh, my. She was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, too. Oh, uh, uh, Mira Sorvino? No, no, no. No. Uh, uh, no. Oh, uh... You know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, yes. Ferris Bueller's love interest. I don't remember her name. You're going to have to look Mia Ham. Yes. No, that right. was a soccer player. Oh. <laughs> Mia Khali- Khalifa? Oh, no, wait. She's a porn star. Wiz Khalifa? <laughs> I can't remember. It was Mia something, was it? Uh, yeah, something like that. People are probably looking at it going, oh, I don't know what the hell these people are. All right, so anyway, Time Cop. A Mia Sarah. There Thank you go. Thank you very much. We named every Mia that we know. <laughs> A single traveler from the future hijacks a shipment of Confederate gold using advanced automatic weapons with laser sighting. This gold is mentioned later to be used as an untraceable payment to terrorists in the 20th century. So that was Time Cop. Well, you know, there was another movie about the KGC in Confederate gold, too. What was that? Uh, National Treasure 2. Do you talk about that later? Uh, no. National Treasure 2 was all about the the plot to kill Lincoln, mm. uh, Confederate gold that was hidden in the mountains <clears throat> of uh, in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah, so... Starring Ed Harris, a, a great actor. I like Ed. He's a nice guy. Seems like a good dude. He's in that new show, Westworld. I didn't, yeah, the first season confused me. I'm not very smart. So anyway, uh, Union troops, as they were uh, con- closing in on the Confederate capital towards the end of the war, which is which would have been Richmond in April of 1865, yes. the Confederate president, Jefferson Davis, who was a, a handsome man... Jefferson Davis, yeah. And the rest uh, and the rest of his crew, they basically fled Southwood... Southwood? Or word? Jefferson Davis fled dressed as a woman. Did you ever hear that story? He that is true. He did yeah. dress as a woman, yeah. and he was uh, ridiculed for he's it for very, many years. He's, very, he's a uh, coward. Allegedly, his uh, his uh, his expedition was carrying considerable amounts of gold, silver, and other coins. And then the Union finally caught up with them in Irwin, uh, Irwinville, Georgia, in on May tenth uh, of that same year. Mm. And uh, yeah, so basically, he didn't have. What so, happened to all the gold that he supposedly absconded? Well, there's with? a lot of different theories, and one of the theories, you know, going back to what we we're saying about the sh- that that the new show on the History Channel was that a uh, Michigan unit or a Michigan militia, the one that captured uh, Jefferson Davis in Georgia, supposedly took the money, took the gold, and brought it back. That's how it ended up getting back to Michigan. Was they put it on a train it's of like, some kind? Georgia's not near Michigan. No, it isn't. But when they went back to their homeland, they took it with them. Michigan sucks. You ever been to Michigan? Uh, I've just flown through I Detroit. Like it. It's not very nice. I drove through Detroit a few times. It's like driving through Beirut, 1983. There's like burnt out cars on the side of the road. There's people wandering the streets in a daze. Mm. Hate Detroit. Hopefully, no one's listening from Detroit. Oh, we have a, we have some listens in Michigan. That's true. You know, Michigan is an interesting state because it's made up of two parts. Yes, the upper and the, upper lower, and the peninsula. lower peninsula. It looks like a glove if you look at it from. It looks like a mitt, like a yes, a, an yes. oven mitt of some kind. It does kind. look like an oven mitt with a thumb extended. Quick, what's the capital of Detroit? Capital of Detroit. <laughs> what's the capital of Michigan? Lansing. Oh, you got it. Look at that. We should have a uh, a trivia game. <laughs> a state capital trivia. I'm not game. good at the. I'm not good at state capitals. No, no. Because some of them you wouldn't think of. No, that's true. Like, like uh, Portland. Like, like for example, Pennsylvania. You would think it'd be like Pittsburgh or uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. It's not. No. It's Harrisburg. It's Harrisburg. That's right. Do you know what the capital of the revolution was during most of the Revolutionary War? Uh, wasn't it? Well, it changed a few different That's times. That's correct. It was originally New York, and then it was Philadelphia, and then That's it went right. back to New York. That's right. You figured it would have been Boston. Because Boston, believe it or not, through not to get off on a segue, was clear of British troops for most of the Revolutionary War. Most people don't know that. Mm. That's interesting. So, as we said, uh, all of Jefferson, Jefferson Davis's money has been unaccounted for. All this supposed hidden uh, Knights of the Golden Circle fundage, hmm. coins and gold and bars and all kinds of things like that, has never been located. Right. Um, they found, uh, through course of investigation, they found different, uh, you know, different clues 
and things of that sort, but never anything of significance. Well, my question to you is this. So if they're if they're keeping all the this gold to fund a second someone's going to have to go get it at some point when they figured out there was no second civil war coming. That's right. You got to go get your gold. <clears throat> so supposedly some people did get it. Oh. In different different various areas. Um, and there was, there was some famous uh, people that were supposedly involved in this group, and one being Jesse James, Ooh. the famous outlaw. Who loved his and mother. his brother, Frank. Yes. And who, of course, as we know, they robbed many a bank and train robberies and things of that sort. Supposedly, not for their own personal gain and wealth, but for the fundage of the Knights of the Golden Circle ah. and their illicit activities. Interesting. So, yeah. I keep seeing uh, out the window of the palatial Eon Project Studios, I keep seeing a cat walking around. A cat? It was some sort of large animal. It's gone now. Hopefully it's not there when I go out to my car later. It was a large beast. Some sort of beast. So even today, as we sit here and talk about this, rumors persist about the fate of the different parts of the missing Confederate treasure. So what do you think happened oh. to the fate of the Michigan, or excuse me, Confederate treasure? I don't think there ever was a Confederate treasure. I think they used all their money to try to, to win the Civil War, and they didn't win it. They were trying really hard to win it, as a matter of yes, fact. Yes, they really did so try. There's no way, there's no way that they... That they uh, hit anything of significance in no, my opinion because they would have used so. every last uh, sure every last you know bit that they had to to try to maintain well, the war. Not only that, people have money, right? You know, there were people that maintained wealth and stuff like that, but they didn't they didn't like pool all the resources for some uh, goal later on. They kept it in the family. Right. There's a lot of rich people in the South. They still are. Right. So. Sure. Yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of old cool. money still in the in the United States. Yes. Like for example, the Kennedys. How are they still alive <laughs> they and the wealthy? I, well, most people don't know that the Kennedy money all started from bootlegging. That's right. Uh, Joe oh, Kennedy, Joe, Joe Senior, was a bootlegger, and actually he 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 plays a part, a small part in the uh, you know that show, uh, Boardwalk Empire with Nucky Thompson. Yeah. He, he the character of Joe Kennedy is in there. That's how they earn their money. Sure. Through bootlegging. But my question is. That was some 80 years ago. How the right. hell do they still have money today? Well, money makes money. Yeah. So, you know, if you have, if you have, let's say you came up with $10 million today and you put it in the bank, mm. you'd be accruing interest on it. And you, if you live off the interest, sure. you know, your money So they must be wise investors there. then. Yes, I would think so. And uh, investing in different various things. So that's why I have no money. You have no money. Because I don't have and any I money have no to money. invest. So how the hell are we on the air right now? You know now? what? If you're listening to this program and you're a rich investor, mm. why don't you throw some money our way? We put on a good program for you. That's right. We're entertaining. We're here to, to amuse you. We have costs. And uh, we don't get expenses. anything. Expenses. Except for the adulation of our myriad of fans. As a matter of fact, we're recording this show currently by candlelight because and I they're... A, I have a burlap sack on instead of clothes. <laughs> and tear away pants, <laughs> like we mentioned earlier. Yes. So anyway, do you find it interesting or not? I mean, it's good. Uh, it makes I, for a good story. I think it makes for a... Right. It makes for a good story. I don't think that there was any Confederate gold uh, that, that wasn't used. They used it. Yeah. They lost the war. And that's it. I enjoy history. I enjoy talking about it. And these groups do exist. Sure. Um, their activities did exist. Yes. Um, but until we actually find some concrete evidence that they were... Well, I remember a show from a few years ago where they supposedly were finding... They were, they were on the lookout for the Confederate gold. And this was a documentary, supposedly. And they, and they were afraid that these guys in a pickup truck, these redneck guys were following them around mm. from the KGC. Dude... There's no guys in pickup trucks from the KGC hiding gold because they wouldn't be living in the trailers that they're living in in uh, southwest Georgia. No, but they you, would be living in a palatial estate. But you know what? There is a phenomenon, and it's in different, not just this particular group, but it happens throughout different groups, and that is people who 
think that they're part of a group. You know, in other words, That's like true. you and I could be like, <laughs> yes, we're Knights of the Golden Circle. You could just make stuff. And we well, could just say it. They we used to do that it. back in the 1800s, 1700s. People used to create groups. Right. They don't do that anymore. Now right. they're part of Facebook. Right. But yeah, you're right. The people just make people, stuff up. People could do that. They were like, there's no way you can prove or disprove maybe that. We sh- maybe we should start a secret society. We are. We're going we to be the presidents. We're, no, we're called, uh, we'll be called the Order of Glenby. The Order of Glenby. That sounds official. It sounds like something that would be existing in the United Kingdom for. What would our secret uh, handshake be like? You think? Oh, I don't know. It would involve some pressure. Would it just be an some op- caressing? Would it be? <laughs> would it be open palmed? Mm. Would it be a tickle of the center? If of you the have palm? an idea for our secret society handshake mm. or anything else about it, yes, please contact us at the Eon Project at yahoo.com. That's T H E E O N Project at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter, where our, uh, where we do interact with our fans mm. daily. Uh, and and how else can you get a hold of us? Our Facebook page. That's right. We don't have our website yet because we're uh, we don't because we're, we're, we're poor and we're dumb and we're downtrodden. So we can't figure that stuff out. Yep. But anyway, all right. So we're actually uh, we're trying to set up an interview with a gentleman. Oh yeah, we got an author uh, author interview who, who wrote a book about a mysterious uh, series of events that took place in Chicago years ago. Yes. So we're going to try to get him on the air uh, relatively soon, and we also have some new and exciting things coming up as well. Yes. So do you have any parting thoughts, friend? Friend? No. Well, I want you to go look. I want when you leave here today. I want you to go look up Arm Fall Off Boy. Arm Fall Off Boy, and read about him and what he does. I'm gonna do that. All right. So until next time, just remember the truth exists. But you do.